Last week, we started our Live Dead series when we talked about Live Dead thinking and what that means to do that. Uh, when we think dead, um, we take the focus off ourselves and we place it on Jesus, right? We talked about that passage that talks about denying ourselves and taking up our cross and dying to ourselves daily and doing that in our thoughts, um, to dying to um, what we want and to our selfishness and to live or to think um, about others and about Jesus first. That was last week. This week we're uh, talking about live dead believing and what that means. Um, this right, this right in notebook, okay? What you believe is revealed by what you are committed to. Shazam, it's on the screen. What you believe is revealed by what you are committed to. What you believe is revealed by what you are committed to. Uh, let me talk a little bit about this word commitment for a second, because I think commitment is something that we kind of view as differently than what it really is. I think it's one of those many things, ideas, and concepts that we <clears throat> kind of as a culture have watered down. Uh, you see it just by how people think of love and, and marriage, how commitment is just kind of, uh, it's not what it really is. Um, in our minds, commitment is less than what it really is. Commitment is more than just showing up and being present. Uh, commitment is more than just minimal participation, um, whether it's at school or a sport or a church or just your relationship with God, commitment is way more than just being there, just being present, than just going through the motions. It's way more than that. It's deeper than that. It's a good, a good idea of what commitment is and what that looks like. We're going to look at this dude from the Bible, Paul, and we're going to look at his commitment. Um, Paul, um, if there was anyone who ever showed his level of commitment towards the cause of Christ, it was Paul. Um, Paul, you could look at, and you could probably say that he's probably one of the most committed people, like, ever. Um, it was amazing the things that he did and that he went through, um, and he kept powering through. Paul naturally kind of geared to a high level of commitment. He was just a super committed person to begin with. He came from uh, great Jewish heritage. He studied at the best schools that they had to offer, and he was dead set on making Judaism the trophy the world would look at and see God's glory. Like, he wanted to make Judaism like the thing, like the coolest thing ever that just took the entire planet by storm and controlled the entire planet. And he committed his life to making this happen. But um, he was kind of on the wrong team a little bit. He was on the wrong side. Um, and then... Uh, Christians kind of began to pop up and create a stir. They were leading people away from the Jewish faith. So what he did is he would go take their lives from them. He would just go around, find all the Christians he could. He would throw them in jail. He hunted them down. He was relentless. He would travel hundreds of miles just to find a few people who confessed to be followers of Jesus, and he would either imprison them or kill them. And usually killing them was easier. But then, um, Paul's life changed drastically. He was on his way to Damascus to, to hunt down some more Christians and to take their lives. And then he had this incredible life-changing event happen to him. On the road, he saw this, this big bright light, and it knocked him back off of his horse. And this bright light was Jesus, and Jesus was right there in front of him, and he began to speak to Paul. And the kind of the interesting thing is that nobody, he was in a traveling party, and nobody else really saw Jesus or heard him. They saw the bright light, 
um, but they didn't see Jesus, they didn't hear Jesus. Only Paul saw and heard Jesus. And Jesus gave him um, some instructions what to do to go into the city to f- wait for this guy. Um, and once this guy comes and talks to you, then you will regain your sight because after he talked to Jesus, he was blind for a while, for a couple days. So he goes there and everything happened just the way uh, that Jesus told him. And now instead of being committed to the Jewish faith and killing Christians, he's now absolutely 100% committed to Jesus and to Jesus' cause. And within a few years of learning and growing under the, the disciples' teaching, he is sent out and begins his missionary journey uh, himself. Um, and, and some would argue that he's probably one of the most influential missionaries of all time. Um, Paul did so many things. If you want to kind of see how committed Paul was, um, you look at his travels. Here's a, just kind of a, a brief list of some of his travels and places he went and, and what he did there. Uh, he once traveled to Cyprus, which was about 130 miles. Uh, while there, he converts this sorcerer, this person who was kind of given into to magic and was doing all these magic tricks and different things like that. Uh, this person was converted by Paul to Christianity and believed in Jesus and then wanted to follow Paul. And then he went to Antioch, which was 100 mi- miles just walking. Can you imagine walking just 100 miles? Wouldn't that be not fun? I don't think that would be fun. Once he got to Antioch, he preached the gospel. This is what he did everywhere he went. He preached the gospel to the city. And in Antioch, he had a lot of success. There was a lot of people that converted, that believed in Jesus and started their process of of following him. And then um, an angry mob tried to kill him. So that happened, and then he left. And then he went to Iconium, which was 60 miles, uh, where he walked the whole way. And there he did a lot of different miracles, lots of different signs and wonders he did there. Um, And then there, like most places, he was pushed out because people were trying to kill him. And then he went to Listeria, which is 20 miles walk. And there he he healed a man. And um, after he he healed this guy, the people um, thought that that he and his traveling partners were Greek gods. So they really wanted to worship him. But Paul kind of deflected. He's like, no, 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 that's not how it went. And after a while, um, they actually took Paul out of the city and they stoned him until they thought he was dead. Right, so they, they threw stones at him, they thought he was dead, and they left him. The cool kind of Paul moment of this story is, is Paul eventually comes to consciousness, comes out of his days, and instead of running away like everyone here would absolutely do, um, he turns around and he goes back into the city and continues to preach the gospel. How nuts is that? How many of you, let's be real, would, after being stoned, would go back into that city for any reason, like even to go pee, would go back into that city. I wouldn't do it. You guys all would, obviously. What if, what if they just need to hear about Jesus? <laughs> Did you feel that? <laughs> it got chilly in here very quickly. So let's go back to Paul and off of Nick. What is... What is Paul's motivation for going through all of this hardship, for traveling all of these miles, for enduring such suffering at every stop? What did he believe that caused him to do such crazy things through our eyes? See, Paul's motivation and his belief was this. He said that Christ loves me, Christ saved me, and rescued me from hell and from myself, and now I'm going to give my life so that others can have the same thing so that others can experience that same love and can be saved from hell and from themselves. 
Open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5.14. Perfect. So this was Paul's motivation. This is Paul that writes this. Paul's motivation is Jesus' love for him. That motivates everything he does. He does he travels, he endures all that hardship because Jesus loves him. So we're going to talk about um, two things. Uh, to live dead requires belief of two things. The first is this. To live dead is to believe in God's love for you. Write that down. To live dead is to believe in God's love for you. Paul did what he did because he first understood how much God loved him. Christ's love controls us, like 2 Corinthians says. It compels us, another uh, translation says. It moves us, it motivates us, it pushes us to action. This is the chief motivation of living dead, is God's love for you. It's an amazing thing when you can, in your life, actually feel God's love and experience God's love for yourself. And that's one of the, the many perks to, to living for him is experiencing that love. Um, I was thinking of a, of a story to tell. <clears throat> there's, there's many times, but there's one big time um, that I just kind of went to right away. For a little while. Um, yes, it's this story, Dina. I'm sorry. No. That's... Uh, anyways. Um, so before Ethan was born, we were trying to have kids, and we are having trouble. And then finally, um, we found out that Dina was pregnant, but we're, there were some other things going on um, to lead us to believe that maybe there was some trouble happening. Um, so we went to the doctor, and after a long process, this is really condensing the story. Um, there's a lot of crazy stuff that happened. Um, but long story short, we finally found out that um, the pregnancy was an ectopic pregnancy, which basically meant the baby was in, I'm going to act this out the best I can, the baby was inside of the fallopian tube. Um, if you're not very good with, with anatomy, um, that's not good. That's not where you want the baby. Um, so because of this, um, it really caused a lot of bad stuff to happen. Um, Dina was in a lot of pain, so we eventually went to, to a good hospital and uh, found out that she was, she was bleeding internally because of this. Um, there was a lot If you, like, just stop and think, like, if we would have let that go for, I don't know how long, like, that wouldn't have been a good situation. Um, her life could have been in jeopardy. Um, but that's kind of one. You come to find out that now that that happened, um, the odds of us having a baby are uh, less, obviously. Um, and then the odds of us having another ectopic pregnancy like that one is greater. Um, so it wasn't looking good just to have kids. And we both knew we wanted kids, especially Dina. She was, she was born and bred to be a mother. Um, and she knew. Of weird, like, and maybe 
this happened quite a few years ago, um, but I just kind of remember, obviously we didn't, it wasn't good news, um, but it wasn't, like I'm kind of a warrior anyways, um, but when we got this news, I just kind of remember not really freaking He was saying, don't worry about it, calm down, I have a plan. Um, so we continued. Three kids, um, so that's pretty cool. And uh, in we didn't have any other miscarriages, there was no other. wanting kids and now we have just three awesome right now very sick um, kids that uh, every day and it's amazing and t like I mentioned before going back and kind of thinking about the story and, and miracle in itself. Um, so it's, a, it's amazing when you, when you go through something like that and you can experience God's love for yourself. It's unlike anything you can, you can imagine. But it's just kind of amazing to think of the fact that this, this God who Uh, he's basically kind of changed the world. Um, he's going to make his way back to Jerusalem. 